This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Don't Look Back in Anger, a brand new series on the City Report podcast network in aid of the MCFC Food Bank fundraiser. We'll be asking your favourite City fans the personal questions that matter, starting today with our very own Adam Booker. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And this is the City Report podcast special for MCFC Food. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Dzeko. Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. And this is the City Report podcast. Well, Adam, it's uh, it's us two again. Um, all roads lead to lead to me and you. Um, this is this should be fun. Uh, obviously. Before us and after us, there's been some great stuff on this on this marathon already, and I'm I'm excited to be at the table involved. What is a, a super 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 cause? Yeah, I mean, obviously, MCFC Food Bank have been doing amazing work for a long time. Obviously, not only at, at match day where they take donations from from match going fans, but outside mm-hmm. of that as well, they've been uh, yeah a great cause, and they've been doing amazing work. So I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, and a really vocal voice as well, sort of uh, the the issues that we all care about and and need addressing. So, you know, hats off to them. We'll try and, for the next sort of 45 minutes or so, provide as much entertainment as we two two can. Uh, That didn't really make sense, but hey-ho. We've got a fantastic show coming up. It's the first episode we're letting people into this new series where we're taking a look at, a deep dive into the sort of the, the city psyche of some... I'm going to say notorious City fans. Do you fall into that category? I suppose you probably do, don't you? Um, just about, just about on the on the on the brink. But um, so, sort of, I'll lead it. I'll I will do one of these myself one day. But for episode one, you're getting the privilege of having it done to yourself. So um, I guess the first sort of before we get into the questions, I've never actually asked you how you became a City fan. Now, I'm obviously for me, it's a a conventional but boring story in the sense that I was 
born in and around Manchester, grew up with a Manchester City supported dad. Hence the sort of it all goes on from there. I'm intrigued to see how someone from I don't even know where where exactly you grew up as a childhood because you've been all over the place in the in America a little bit. So I'm excited to see how it sort of stemmed for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I was born and raised right outside of Washington D.C., which is obviously the yeah. capital of the U.S. Um, so I did have a local MLS team growing up, which is DC United, but they played mm-hmm. in a um, not so nice part of town. MLS was very inaccessible when I was growing up. Um, I couldn't tell you what TV station DC United played on. I don't think there was any other TV stations that showed any other MLS games, maybe the the final every, every year, and that was about it. Mm. So the sport in general was really inaccessible for me growing up, and it's very much anyone who knows anything about american soccer which i'm using the phrase soccer so that yeah, nobody yeah. nobody gets confused with american football um it's a very different culture to the rest of the world you know it's very much mm. a, a middle class pay to play you must have the privilege to play kind of sport here where it's just not that kind of sport almost almost everywhere mm. else mm. um so it's just not the kind of sport that kind of um, you know, is ingrained in the community, maybe like the local basketball team or American football team might be. Um, but as far as how I started supporting City was I was just essentially bored one day in maybe 2007. Mm. And we had one channel in the U.S. that had any sort of coverage of football outside of the U.S. And that was called Fox Soccer Channel. We would get United games, um, maybe some Arsenal games, the two La Liga giants, maybe some Bayern Munich games and the two Milan clubs. Basically, any time they played, it was on TV and that was about it. And then we had mm-hmm. one one daily news show. I can't even remember what it was called at this point um, or who hosted it or anything, but it, it meant nothing to me at the time. Um, but I very slowly got into football through that channel. It was a lot of Serie A, actually, um, weirdly at first, but I never really had a team. Um, and it wasn't until the Manchester Derby at Old Trafford where Ben Johnny scored. It was the 50th yeah. anniversary of the Munich Air disaster. Neither yeah. neither team was playing with sponsors on on the kits. Um, and so obviously that, that day had a lot of emotion built into it. The atmosphere in the stadium, at least you know, from what I could tell on television as a 12 year old 11 year old 12 Mm. um seems fantastic and um i knew about manchester united i knew who they were i knew that they were kind of for for the american reference the yankees or the lakers you know this just (laughs) massive Mm. brand sporting brand so i said you know what i'll i'll pull for this blue team um and city won on the day i think it was their first win at old trafford and in decades at the time and um learn more about the club the culture the fans everything and and kind of year on year fell more and more in love and so yeah it kind of dates all the way back to that that derby and it kind of just became my my life now that's interesting so it wasn't it wasn't dependent on that result and i don't mean you sat down in front of the tv going today whichever team wins i'll support i mean like the 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 city victory wasn't the thing that tipped you over the edge it was just the sort of the the anti big massive conglomerate united sort of you wanted to be 
you want it to be different. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves an underdog story, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. as weird as it is to call City an underdog these days, there are, I'm sure, dozens upon hundreds of fans listening to this that don't even, maybe don't even know that City have an underdog story. But at one point mm-hmm. they were, um, yeah. and and that was very intoxicating for me and, and the the fan base, you know, having such local pride and, and, you know, for any Americans who are listening or anyone who's not American that you'll, they'll know that, you know, local pride in sports here is a completely different thing than it is there. And it was just a very intoxicating culture for me, essentially. Yeah, that that's crazy. That's crazy. Cause I mean, most people, and you, you, I always find when, um, you sort of, you see English supporting, so no, sorry, Supporters who uh, support an English club, but from overseas, you get a lot of the the, the phrase is glory hunter, isn't it? And and I, I think that's a little bit wrong in the sense because nobody sort of sets out in life to sort of support a team that's destined for failure. But I mean, you 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 went the completely opposite way in the sense that you went, you know, I, I see this big team winning all the times from what little knowledge you had at the time of football. Um, I'm going to go the other way, which is which is intriguing, really. It, it sort of tapped into our first category of of questions which was first city memory i feel like if i was to do this then it'd be a lot more simple um so i'll, I'll keep pressing you on on the first city memory where did it where did it evolve from there because obviously for those who don't know i'm sure you'll speak about there's been multiple times and actually just this week you've you've planned your next voyage post first one post covid to manchester to come and watch city and, and you've been a number of times so you know it's not like you've you've been confined to the to the the comfort of your living room to watch football your entire life you know you have seen this club in the flesh how did it evolve to that point what what was in between from the sort of first recognizing it to going to Brighton away on the last day of the season. Yeah, so it's actually an, a kind of an interesting story that if if anyone didn't believe in fate before uh, before this episode, they will after. Um, <laughs> but I, I was living in New York City when I was 22. Um, so that would have been, it was the 2017-18 season, Pep's first title winning season. Um, <clears throat> and I met a family at, at, at a pub at Amity Hall, for anybody who doesn't know Amity Hall, it's the mm. the meeting place of the um, NYC uh, city supporters, which are a fantastic supporters group, like literally hundreds of people for 6 a.m. Yeah. games. Um, yeah. And there was a family over from Manchester who the dad had been a season ticket holder dating back to, to Main Road for, you know, 30 odd years. Um, and I got very lucky because my two friends that I would normally go watch the games with were too hungover to, to show up for the 7 a.m. game. <laughs> so I sat by myself at the bar, sat next to a family, um, just chatting with this family, ended up spending the next like three days in New York with them, went to an NFL game with them because the wife didn't mm-hmm. want her ticket and all this stuff. Um, and they invited me over to to manchester for a game essentially because i'd never been but i'd been supporting city for Mm. nearly a decade at that point um and basically just got very lucky running into them and meeting them in a pub and then they took me to see my girlfriend and i went out in december of 2018 we went southampton away or leicester away was the first that was the first city memory in person was was leicester yeah. away which was which was a defeat wasn't it it was it, that yeah it was Danny boxing Ferreira day i think yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and it was it was insane to me because seeing the city players come out of the tunnel for warm-ups it was like these these tv characters 
that <laughs> were just like animations to me, essentially, to see yeah. these real human beings. It was mind blowing mm-hmm. to me. You know, I've been to NFL games, college football games, NBA, NHL. So, you know, live sports is nothing new to me, but it was this thing that had consumed my life, but I'd only seen it on television. It, it was, it felt like going to a live recording of your favorite sitcom. Like it just didn't <laughs> yeah. feel real yeah. to see them. Um, and yeah, and, you get dunks on. Yeah. Well and truly get dunks on. But you know, it was good because the novelty was still there. So yeah. like I was kind of like the result didn't matter because the novelty of just mm. being there was so great. And then uh, a few days later we went Southampton away. And then a few days after that was the um now iconic Liverpool home game, um, which, oh, which yeah. Sane scored yeah. the winner. And I was sat in the South stand right behind the goal that Aguero scored, you know not too far mm. from from the Liverpool end. And um, yeah, I was hooked as far as, you know, going to games from from that moment. And since then, yeah, I've been back for some some special games like Brighton away on the final day. Saw City win mm. the treble a week later at, at, at Wembley. Um, so yeah, but my, mm. my first memory was Leicester away. Yeah, yeah. Um, not the greatest of stadiums to kick things off. In no, terms of... neither was St. Mary's four days no, later. Just no, a couple of boxes say. with different colored yeah. seats. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ikea flat pack furniture or, or sort of essentially that's what it feels like. Um, I guess we could, there's sort of no rigid way in which we're going to do this. It's just a little bit of a chat, but I guess you can weave this into the, the next part because I, I have a feeling that my next question will be the answer to, uh, your, 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 your answer will be, um linked to this so it's it's best city memory now you said that you saw city win or complete the treble obviously the league cup was done and dusted in february time i think it would have been that season or early march um but you were you were over in this country um you mentioned it there for the brighton away game on the last day of the 2018-19 season mm-hmm. um yeah just about got there um and then at wembley for the fa cup final 7 days later pretty interesting story i have heard this story um but but let us hear it again about how you went about booking that and how um how the nerves were jangled a little bit you can say yeah well a lot of guinness was involved in the booking <laughs> um i i booked the trip to go back out there um <clears throat> basically an hour after city won the fa cup semi-final which would have been was that brighton, brighton as well yeah yeah, yeah. So I was at Amity Hall, same pub in New York, had had a bit to drink, took the took the subway back <laughs> and said, screw this, I'm booking my flight. And and really it was, it was just with Ames just to go to to the FA Cup final cuz you know, when going to Wembley was a yeah, bucket list yeah. thing for me. Um and then you know, ended up because I was there at the time was like let's get a ticket for the Brighton game. City were I want to say maybe God, how many points back would we have been at that point? We we, we were still chasing down level. Liverpool. It, it was it was at, at, at that point it would have been. I don't think it was ever more than a game sort of swing. So it would have right. been one or two points. I don't think it had been in like the United twenty twelve sort of category. But it was it was tense. It yeah, was, um, it wasn't it wasn't a dead cert at all. So I, I booked the flight and then I essentially. So I had tickets to the Brighton game, had tickets to Wembley. And then essentially the back half of that 14-game run-in, which won City the title, mm. my entire trip – I mean, not my entire trip because I had I had the tickets to Wembley. But that Brighton game could have been an absolute dead rubber had you know City fallen yeah. out of the title race. 
Um, so my the kind of quality of my trip was riding on each one of those <laughs> games. So it was like this double this double jeopardy. You know, you think of the Vinny goal, yeah. City scrappy one nil win at at Turf Moor. Um, I remember a really nervy derby in there as well. I don't think we scored till like that the seventy fifth minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And those Midway games goal. were just like just horrible, absolutely horrible. Especially the Leicester one because. What he score in like the seventy first minute or something like yeah, yeah deep deep into the game and at that point I'm just thinking God I've got this ticket that like <laughs> um you know I've got a ticket to 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 quote Martin I think was it Martin Tyler or Peter Drury I can't remember whose final day call it was in 2012 but my ticket was either going to be for a coronation or a wake and yeah, it, you yeah. know everything really rode on those games for me you know a, a seven hundred dollar flight was riding on those games. Um, <laughs> And obviously, you know, it all worked out. So, so best city memory was absolutely Brighton because mm. the novelty of going to games in person had worn off for me, and I just cared about the result. And you know, going one nil down at the same time, Liverpool goes one nil up, and that away end for a few minutes was just a horrible, yeah. horrible place to be. Um, but, but obviously, it was elation from there on out. Yeah, I, I mean, I've. I wasn't at the Brighton game, so I've only ever seen City's title wins at home. And it there, there is that sort of anyone who's been to to both and will understand this, but there is that sort of sort of fine line between the it being the best place in the universe to be when it's going well. But you know, take me back to Aston Villa on the final day of last season, for example. It's the most hot. You don't want to be anywhere. You want to be anywhere else in the world, basically. You don't want to be there at all. So that sort of that 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 sort of balancing those feelings, I can imagine as someone who what would have been like their third ever game uh, in person in English football would have been pretty mental. Well, it's funny because the the dad of the family that that I stay with and and Does that he have a name you games. can shout him yes. out. Yes, yes, Kieran. Yes, Kieran. Yeah. He's a yeah. he's a he, big up Kieran. Him him and his him and his wife both work on Coronation Street. They're they're Mancunian legends. <laughs> um, but um, it was so funny after after the FA Cup win at Wembley, he he just looked at me and he was like. I've been going to City for forty years, and you've yeah. seen you've seen everything that I've seen in person. Yeah. <laughs> you've not seen a Carabao Cup win. That's um, true. I'll hold That's that true. over you. I'll yeah. hold that. Yeah, um, the superior of the the domestic trophies, of course. Um, so Brighton away was the the best City memory for for well, I mean, obvious reasons because City won the league and and City, um, and and you sort of got to see that in person. If you were to sort of your usual match day routine of you know watching from home in the the years either prior or um after that what would you say your your sort of your best memories in terms of pure footballing so not in terms of like the the environment and the experience just you know the, the pure footballing feeling of winning a match i'm presuming um i mean i know you are a little bit miserable like myself at times but i don't think you're going to say the best memory was something that happened that was negative but you know you get what i mean like a big win what what was your the one that sticks out for you i think i'd have to say it might be the villa game just gone yeah i, I think yeah. You know the the Aguero game in in 2012 was obviously special for so many reasons, um, but but that game I remember. So the 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 Aguero goal in, in 2012, I had 
we had a ton of family over because my sister's birthday is May 13th and it's also okay. Mother's Day weekend every year. Right. So right. Championship Sunday often falls on big holiday yeah. weekends for my family. Um, and and the Aguero goal, we had a ton of people over and it was kind of like, it was kind of a nightmare to be living that game with like all of our family <laughs> there, a family that was totally apathetic yeah. to the game. Yeah. Um, so the the Villa game was actually like my last day in my previous apartment, previous to what I the one I live in now. Mm, and it was mm. totally empty, just kind of boxes in the corner and stuff. And my girlfriend and I were watching it. And it just, it, I had all this room to run around when Gundogan scored <laughs> because there was no furniture or everything. And yeah. I, I was just jumping up and down and screaming. And I think that that game... You know, it, it being City winning a, a second, doing like winning a second straight title for mm. the second time of the Pep era. You know, p- you know, beating Liverpool to it on the final day again, and the Aguero game was special. But this one, I don't know. I at this point in my life, the Aguero game that you you got to remember, mm. I didn't know City fans until like mm. twenty. Till I moved to Los Angeles, which was twenty sixteen, I'd never met another mm. City fan. So I went a decade knowing only myself as a city fan because they don't they didn't exist in America at that point. Yeah. I'd never met yeah. one. There was a pub in in DC where I grew up that showed city games and had a local supporters group, but I wasn't allowed in because I wasn't 21. So I, yeah. I went a decade without meeting a single other city fan. So I lived all of those things, the FA Cup win in 2011, the Aguero moment. I lived all those things completely on my own. And and in this isolated world where I didn't have people like you who I speak to every day to, to talk city and stuff. Mm. Um, whereas the Villa one, it was at a time in life where I'm just completely immersed in city at all mm. hours of the day. And it's like, you know, we're on FaceTime after the game or, you know, I'm mm. FaceTiming with other friends in Manchester or people we do the podcast with. So it, I think the best memory is as at least not being in a stadium. That was definitely the best memory. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you mentioned you didn't know any city fans will be city fans from Manchester who of a certain age when years without meeting any fellow city fans themselves, obviously apart from going to the matches, um, we have been a, a, a sort of a, a, a breed that hasn't been the, the biggest at times, but obviously that is changing um, in recent years. Um, but yeah, that, I, I, I think, I, I don't know if this is, going to be incredibly controversial I'm not going to say it's better because nothing is it's not possible to beat the Aguero goal given the context given the fact it was City's first league championship in over 40 years given the fact that it was United it was going against but I I mean in terms of actual pure footballing achievement so take the game in isolation remove all the other factors you know City have to win to win the league I actually think the Aston Villa one is is more of an impressive achievement in that sense considering the fact that City had to get three goals. And I mean, it literally is, you know, in terms of numbers, three is bigger than two. But I mean, in, in the way it was done and, and City against QPR, from, I mean, I'm sure everyone here has watched it back numerous times, were pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. It felt inevitable. City against Aston Villa at the end of the 2021-22 season, I, I, at some points, I reckon we could have played for about another hour and a half and, and City wouldn't have even come close to getting a shot on target, let alone finding um, three goals. So I, I, I see what you mean in terms of obviously your experience. It was it was better because you had more people to speak to. But in actual sporting achievement sense, I reckon 
I don't know. Is this is this a cancelable offence? Am I gonna am I gonna get cancelled now? Or, or do you see where I'm coming from? No, I mean just like statistically, it was more impressive. Yeah. You know, QPR Villa was a better team than that QPR team. QPR were down to ten men. City City were all over them the whole game. I I think that QPR game, City were unlucky for eighty five minutes of it. Whereas yeah. the Villa game, City were bad for seventy five yeah. minutes of it, yeah. and it looked mm-hmm. like they were going to get nothing out of it. Whereas that QPR game, if you take away the title being on the line, if we lose that game 2-1 or draw 2-2, it's one of those games where you're like, God, they are so unlucky not to win yeah. that game because you know Patty Kenny stood on his head and made unbelievable <laughs> saves and um, yeah. and you know posts were hit and stuff. Yeah, I, the Villa game, it, from a footballing point of view, was more impressive. But obviously the context of the Aguero goal was unmatchable and it's something that most clubs will never experience and will obviously never experience again that was just a day on its own that just like will will always be its own thing that will never be replicated the villa villa game can be replicated again it mm. can it could happen this year uh, you know um mm. that aguero goal can never that can never be replicated because of the context mm. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Um, nicely summed up. Right, okay, we're gonna we're gonna drown out the the good feeling now, um, because I'm sure there's a few candidates for this. But we've had first city <clears throat> memory, we've had best city memory, and I want you to talk us through what you think personally is your worst city memory. That deep breath says a lot. I'll take I'll take it in two parts because we've kind of made this like duality of answers here with with yeah. my memories as a match going fan and my memories mm-hmm. as a non-match going fan so my memory match going first okay no the match going my worst memory as a match going fan is an obvious one for me i took my dad over to manchester in december of 2019 so right before the yeah. pandemic yeah um and it was great my dad had, had never been you know my my parents kind of watched a lot of city with me um mm. growing up but you know I've totally been been neutral to it um and took my dad over took him to burnley away which was which was hilarious to take you know a, an, a, an american man in his 50s that had, had never been to to england and never experienced football live like that to take him to turf moor was yeah. was pretty funny um yeah quite the culture shock yeah, but then a few days it's later, nothing it was, like an American stadium, is it? No, it's there's <laughs> it's we have quite, nothing quite like opposite. it here. Yeah, I mean, you know, even our our amateur sports. You know, yeah. my my dad went to Virginia Tech for college, who have a big big football culture, American football, and that's mm. you know amateur football, and they get seventy thousand people every week in a, oh. in a gorgeous stadium. You know, so yeah. there's yeah. not there's nothing like it here. Um, but my my worst match going memory was a few days after that Burnley game city hosted United at the Etihad in Derby my first ever live Derby I'd had most of most of my city life was positive memories in the Derby because I've been a city fan since you know 2007 so um other than a few years in there where they they won the league a few times you know we've got the 6-1 a lot of Dar- a lot of you know demolition derbies in in that era um mm. But this was not one of those derbies, and you know, I, I kind of hyped the whole thing up to my dad. You know, he's never he, he's never have experienced an atmosphere of what we're going to experience inside the Etihad <laughs> on Derby Day. 
I think United were 2-0 up in the first half and it was just yeah. dreary and horrible yeah. and it was kicking off in the South Stand like City fans fighting City fans because everyone was on edge because of the scoreline yeah. and it was just just horrible. Um, so that, that's probably my worst. I mean, most of what I've seen as, an, as a match-going fan at City mm. has been positive. So that, that definitely was the worst. That's pretty low. I remember that game. I had forgotten about the game until you've just brought it up, but I remember that game. It was a. I think there's been one or two occasions City fans aren't really, and it's usually against United, almost exclusively saved for United games where the atmosphere turns toxic within the City support. Um, I remember going back a few years before that uh, when Van Persie scored his last minute goal mm. and we won't want to unearth too much trauma here so we'll, we'll move on swiftly but there was the same sort of thing here. I think a fan ran onto the that's, pitch and... that's a bit of foreshadowing right there for a, an upcoming oh, answer right. as well so right. yeah uh, so 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 that was the worst memory in person I mean it could quite easily sort of uh, uh, stay for the for the whole answer I don't think many can get worse than that but but your worst overall city memory take it away it's actually that game. It's the Van Persie winner. No yeah. I mean, no look, there's been some heartbreaking Champions League losses, but anybody that's listened to you and I and, and our mm. podcast before um, will know that, you know, for us, the Premier League is everything and the, the Champions League is is a bonus. And, mm. you know, we, we've we've notoriously gotten over Champions League exits pretty quickly on this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. But that, that day, it was... I mean, I can't remember what time of year it was because I, I had a gathering at my house of friends for that game, Ooh. which is very, very foolish. Very foolish <laughs> to do that for a derby. Um, yeah, I was going to say. I don't know what the occasion was because it wouldn't have been my birthday because my birthday is is mid-August. So it's one of the first games of the year every mm. season. But I had, a, I had friends over and Zaba scored that that equalizer. And, you know, I was absolutely buzzing. And then that Van Persie goal goes in. And I'm going to sound like an absolute loser here because I was probably, what year was that? 2013? 2012. 12, 2012, 13. 13, but it was. So I was, I was 16 years old here. <laughs> I ran off to the basement of my house and I cried into a pillow. <clears throat> um, and. For how long? Probably not long. I, I don't know, to be honest. I've kind of blacked out the whole thing. And I had all my friends over. Thankfully, it's like close, long-time friends. You yeah, know, I, I wasn't yeah. – it wasn't making a first impression on anybody. Um, and one of my friends, Sia, she came downstairs and she said, should we go? And I said, yeah. And they all left. And I saw them the, the next day at school and – think it was probably just never spoken about again but that's definitely my my worst city memory <laughs> fair play for for opening up about it um i'm not quite sure i i would have been able to unearth that that is that is quite the memory that hey is, that in the is, name of charity you know yeah 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 um oh wow that I, i'm just imagining like a traumatic broken sort of mid-pubescent teenager <laughs> yeah i probably had a lot of a lot of hormones and that yeah that deflected yeah. free kick just triggered some sort of yeah. hormonal outburst that that i mean city have had a number of last minute defeats in general but against united as well there's been a couple in there but the fact City came from behind, I think, what was what made that game so horrific. And you mentioned Zabaleta's goal. 
that's it's a shame because that celebration oh, I'm pretty sure iconic. it's called the equalizer yeah it should have been, it should have gone down in in history for all the right reasons it should have been like you know the face of premier league campaigns for the next 5 years whatever you know him running at 2-2 him running to the center circle to get the game back back up and going because Vincent company wasn't playing that day was he he was Zabaleta was captain yeah. um i remember somewhere whether or not company was injured or taken off i can't remember i think it was the fa cup game the season after or season before he was sent off so it would have been that anyway but you know that that was probably prime zabaleta as well that was when he was absolutely at his peak and and then as we know robin van persie who city tried to sign city tried to sign and i'm i'm still certain to this day it was that signing of van persie that won alex ferguson his his last oh yeah yeah absolutely he must have scored twenty odd goals for them. So yeah, I mean that's absolutely worthy. Um, you no, know, not even did you cry after the Tottenham game in the Champions League? Because we we spoke about how the Champions League final was was just like a numbing experience. It wasn't that emotionally stirring. But I think the only Champions League game for me anyway in there which leaves a proper to this day. I mean, I should seek therapy at this point to be honest because I don't think there's a day goes by I don't think about it. But the the twenty nineteen quarterfinal against Tottenham was there any crying into the pillow after that or was it or was it just this game no I was that was when I was living in New York um I had kicked puberty that was done with um <laughs> and I, I was at the I was at the city supporters pub in in Manhattan oh you have to watch it in, with people yeah oh. yeah that was with people but yeah. here's the thing though that that I think match going fans never realize is like we're let down pretty quickly as armchair supporters with VAR decisions because we uh, see it and it's yeah. like, oh, that's offsides. And you right there, you've made your decision. You know, like that's you know. that's yeah. not going to go our way. Whereas, yeah. you know, in the stadium, you're just sitting there, you, yeah. you're celebrating, you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. I don't, I, I mean, I certainly didn't cry, but I, I stormed off to the subway to go home <laughs> and I just like, had my headphones in, cranked up music, and was just yeah. like didn't speak to anybody till the next day, most likely. But um, that out of all the Champions League exits, that definitely hurt the worst. Yeah. But you know, we we've spoken about it before on the show. You know, three days later, Tottenham came back to the Etihad. Phil Foden scored, and that kicked yeah. off City's title run. In, and you know, you kind of you're over it from there. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of uh, spotty mid-pubescent teenagers, that Phil Foden goal, um, certainly certainly leaves a lasting memory. I know exactly what you mean. I, I was somewhere, you know, you see those those photos on like football away day Twitter accounts where it's usually Leeds fans or someone like that and everyone's piled on top of each other and you're like, that's just fate, you know, you, you're doing that for the sake of it. I I, I experienced that for, for probably one of the only real times like that um, for the Spurs game must have ended up four or five rows down um, somewhere somewhere in the south stand but obviously I found my glasses they fell off um, but obviously after after reattaching them to my face it popped up VAR checking goal and then I think the worst thing about that is the reaction that you obviously won't get watching it in a, in a city pub but the reaction of the away fans like you can you can get over the decision, but it's the noise. You don't you can't look at them, um, but it's the noise. I can still hear it now. The sort of the because it's a different sort of cheer. It's not like a a goal cheer, which is like a <gasps> cheer. It's like a it's a it's a laughable. It's a um, yeah. It's a Mickey take. That that's funny you bring that up because I want to go back to my first city memory going away to Leicester. Sort of 
Right, it's not. I was going to say it's not of Spurs. Like no, no, no. Having Spurs fans in the rears, that'd be a bit weird. But we have. We don't have like away day culture here. Away ends don't exist. Yeah. I mean, you get them in in any sort of like local derby in MLS, but anything else like that, it doesn't mm. really exist. And you know, of course, I knew about it from watching football for a decade before I went out there, but I didn't really know about it. I knew mm. that all of the away fans were in their own section, and that was it. But I'm, as an American, used to, I wouldn't say it's cordial between opposition fans because there's plenty of, of issues in, in American stadiums with with away fans and home fans sitting in the mm. same sections. Um, but I'm used to it. Uh, and I just remember, especially because we were at Leicester away, it was cold. I didn't really recognize the difference between the home and away end for a little bit. Mm. And obviously city lost that day lester scored the opener and i remember looking around and just seeing the you know 20 odd thousand lester fans all mm. celebrating at me and only me <laughs> is what it felt like in the moment and i was like it's a victim complex I, isn't it? well i'd never experienced anything like <laughs> yeah, that where yeah. where it's this vitriolic celebration directed yeah. at you and that was I, I mean i loved it it gave me a buzz that i'd never felt before in that yeah. moment but like it was this crazy feeling of why are they all angry at me? I'm just yeah. standing here. And I, I just had never felt that. So I can't imagine what it would have been like that day at the Etihad. Oh. I mean, I've, you know, I've been in the South stand for some, some Liverpool goals and some United goals, which weren't great, but yeah, that would have been, that would have been horrible. Yeah. It, 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 well, it was horrible. Um, I feel like that's the start of a, a villain movie though. Like they were all like 20,000 people were just celebrating at me. Um, it feels like you could be a Batman villain. Yeah. Or if like if Spider-Man was bit by a football hooligan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. We're getting into a completely different rabbit hole. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll use that to take a break. Uh, we'll be back in a moment to continue our, our look at uh, uh, Adam Booker's city life. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, MCFC Food Bank special. Right, we'll continue this then. We, we, we've done the memories. We've gone into your memory bank and we've dug them all up. We're going to turn it a little bit more conceptual, if you like, and uh, you can you can get those creative juices flowing now because next question, uh, two more left before we call it a day, but next question, your favourite all-time City kit. Now, I'm going to give you the chance here. I'm going to, I'm going to let you have three. You can build a season's kit sort of collection. You can have a home shirt. You can have an away shirt. And do we go goalkeeper shirt or third shirt? Let's go can, third. Can... I think there's been okay. some some banging thirds out yeah, there. Yeah, goalkeeper shirts are, are a little boring at times, aren't they? So we'll, we'll go <clears> third. So you can build a, a sort of an all-time city kit collection for a season. Um, try and make it from different seasons if we can to keep it interesting. But, but other than that, fire away. So I'm going to keep it within the years that I have supported City, which has been okay. 2007 to, to modern yeah. day. Um, even though there are some incredible kits in the 80s and 90s that I probably would put up in here, um, yeah. I'll, I'll keep it within my my timeline. So home kit for me, if I can only go one from each season, I think the best home kit for me might be – the current home kit with the maroon, Ooh, the maroon ever. trim, and well, in, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love, I love the maroon. Any city kits that have had yeah. maroon in it, I think it was 2011 
the kit that we yes. won the FA Cup in had just had the maroon trim on the socks, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. loved that. Um I love the the center badge. I've got two um I've got two other kits with the center, the badge in the center, the the purple what let me I'm I'm on football archives here. Think mm. it was two thousand seven. Yeah, two thousand seven, eight, the purple yeah, yeah, the purple one with the white stripes and the center badge with Thomas Cook on it. I've got that and an Alano kit in my closet behind me. And I, I love the center badge. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. I, I, as soon as I saw the first leak for this season's as we speak, what is 2022, 23? Um, as soon as I saw the first leak for that kit, I was like, that's an all-timer. That's an all-timer. Um, and it, and I'll obviously ask you away in, in third kit in a second, but are you, are you the sort of person who rates a kit now obviously we don't know what this season will come to so maybe not but are you the sort of person who who a, a kit goes up in their estimation if it's attached to a memory so for example for me i look at the last season shirt and had city not won the league title in that shirt i think it would have been an instantly forgettable shirt whereas if city this season barring disaster i'm talking like final day humiliation sort of really bad ends the season whatever if city sort of if city season peters out they don't win any trophies i still think that kit goes down as an all-time are you, are you someone who who's like the 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 results in that shirt and make or break or does it not really matter in the early days of supporting city yeah the the mm. the 2011 12 kit um is an all-timer for me because of the moment yeah. um but last seasons, I, I think now that City winning trophies is a regular thing, we can't just keep attaching the kit. Like we can't just call a kit good because we mm. won something in it because we win something every year. Essentially, um, you know, we 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 did a very very early on in this podcast. We did uh, an, a special episode with the Main Road Ramble, looking mm. at City kits, and you know, we spoke about how. Arguably, City's most famous kit of all time—the 1998-99 playoff final. Um, the you know the mm. teal striped kit is horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, it's one of the it's one of the worst City kits of all time. But yeah. it's but it's iconic, and everybody just about everybody owns it, and you've got to own it, and you've got to yeah. wear it out. And it's yeah. you know you see it all around the Etihad and, and any game you go to. Um, but had that had that game not happened, had that just been a season where they finished you know mid table. That would be a completely forgotten, or even be talked mm. about as one of the worst city kits, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. of the '90s. So, I'm not somebody that attaches that anymore. There are moments that I certainly attach the kits to, um, you know, yeah. w- winning, winning the FA Cup, winning the the league for the first time. Um, mm. But since then, no, it's kind of you, you can't do that, or or every kit is is going to be special. Yeah, true. That is a good point. I know, I know exactly what you mean with the '99 playoff one. It looks like um, a bottle for disinfectant cleaner, <laughs> like this big hazardous. Do not touch. Do not. Do not let in the sight of kids. Keep clear of children. It. it it's. I don't know who at Kappa at the time notoriously known for their incredible kit designs. Sort of even at that time in the in the mid nineties to late nineties. That you know the the. Some of the Italian kits are fantastic. I don't know who at Kappa sat down and went, yeah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get sort of like this fluorescent neon yellow and we're going to chuck it with this sort of really deep navy blue. And we're, yeah, we're just going to throw a little bit of green. It's, it's awful. It's horrendous. But obviously it's adored for for um, understandable reasons. Um, right, okay. That isn't you. That isn't your awake, is it? You're not going to pop no. up and say that shit. Right. It doesn't qualify for the 2007... 2007- 
20 to yeah, 2022. Um, yeah, so yeah, my away kit is interesting because we the away kit from this season is on theme. So it's another red and black striped. It's the 2011-2012 away kit. Ooh, yeah. Um, the memories attached to that are obviously good ones as well. Um, mm. Putting six, pa- I think it was six past Tottenham at White Hart Lane. Jekko had what four goals that day? Something like that, yeah. Something silly. Um, I remember. We, this is still at a time you've got to remember when we didn't get a lot of city games on TV. It wasn't until um, it wasn't until NBC took over the rights to the Premier League in 2014 that you could watch. You know, if if you're if you didn't support one of the kind of usual big four or mm. big three before the big six was even really a thing. Um, you didn't really get to see your, your team that often. And and that memory, or that kid, I remember Balotelli scoring at a very rainy Stamford Bridge and celebrating mm. in front of the shed end in that kit. Mm. And that's, yeah. uh, I think City ended up losing that game or maybe drawing it, but... Yeah, um, it was the first defeat of, yeah. the, of the season. Yeah, and, and that still was a great memory for me because I, I just so rarely got to watch City at that time. And I basically mm. had to read about everything online or find highlights online. Um, so that, that's an all time kit for me, not, not, and it has nothing to do with the memories. I have great memories in that kit. Um, but it's just the cleanest black and red stripe kit we've had since the original, I think. Yeah. I, and that, in, that entire period with Umbro, um, mm. I think actually speaking of kits that could be forgettable that season's home shirt, the 2012 one, I don't think that sort of yeah. is remembered quite fondly if it isn't for, for the Aguero goal, but that, Overall period with Umbro, 2010, um, 2009 to 2010, the the kits that season, fantastic. Um, season after that as well. That I think it was tailored by Umbro was the collection. They did a fantastic job, and uh, yeah, anyone at Umbro's listening, please bring it back. Yeah, for um, real. yeah, yeah. So we've got two of three. Finally, then um, third kits. You know, traditionally, well sort of anti-traditionally a little bit more abstract now i've i've known from speaking to you a number of times that you're not a third kit hater but you're very you like your kit simple and i think that's probably been given away with the your first two picks so this may be a little bit more difficult for you um to find one that that fits the bill yeah there's some very obvious candidates for me i'm just scrolling through all the third kits i've had to suffer through as a city fan in the past <laughs> 15 16 years there's some some awful ones in there especially the nike era um but umbro just never really put a foot wrong with third kits mm. and i think for me especially because this kit lasted two seasons the best third kit of all time is 2009 to 2011 the black and red sash i mean that that's just oh. totally unbeatable for me yeah yeah it's speaking of stanford bridge memories the win against um what would it have been carlo ancelotti's or avram grant's chelsea at the time i can't remember but that image of mancini slumped backwards in his you know freshly polished italian leather shoes and he's you know he's little scarfed and up to the top that was i think it was a couple of days before my birthday so speaking of parties as well uh there's a few people around at, at my house for what would have been my ninth or tenth birthday party um and just watching that game it was, it was an early kickoff um i don't know why i remember this so vividly it's quite scary but it, it was i think that's probably city's biggest statement win and to do it in that kit as well was was fantastic. Did you prefer it with the black shorts or the white shorts? Because I think one season they had black shorts, one season they had white shorts. Yeah. God, I'd have to see them again. I think black because I think the way I like the black from the sash flows into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. But yeah, I mean, 
there's there's some bad third kits out there, but I, I am very much, and this may be the American in me because, you know, there are a lot of American sports teams that have had the same home kit forever and it never changes. You know, the mm. Pittsburgh Steelers, Boston Bruins, uh, a lot of, you know, old school, well, old school for us in America, um, yeah. organizations that, and, and I love that. I think that your kit should be iconic with you. You know, you look at Real Betis mm. and Atletico Madrid, and I think your kit should be totally iconic with you. Um, so I'm very much a white home kit, or sorry, blue home kit with... Well, I was going to say, that's not traditional, is with it? A maybe, maybe a white collar. The yeah. only other color that can be on there is maroon or dark dark blue. And I think mm. that all away kits should be white at all times. I think that wow. I think it should always be white. But I'll take the black and red because of the tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And then third kit you can go a little crazy with. But yeah, I'm a I'm a simple man. I like my colors solid. <laughs> yeah, that 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 sash kit is incredible. Um but you can throw in there you you didn't like the Nike ones, but there's a white one with a, a sky blue and navy bluish sort of I don't know what you'd call it, like a, a it's not a sash, but it's a sort of a line down the yeah. Down the that was my option number there. two for for yeah. third K, yeah, yeah. But but you know that that sort of it is a little bit out of the box, but it's simple at the same time. Um, I mean, some of the abominations we've had with Puma, I think, are just awful. Yeah. Um, thou shall not mention the fizzy sherbet kit. But um, right, okay, we'll we'll move on to the final category then before before we decide to call it a day. Um. Again, it's another sort of conceptual category, something that you can you can sort of tailor it to yourself. You know, it doesn't have to be the, the most obvious answer, but it's your favourite all-time City player. Now, as I said, it doesn't have to be the greatest of all time, whoever you may deem that to be. It can be sort of for, for more personal reasons, if you wish. Yeah, I mean, this is an easy one for me. It's a man previously mentioned on this episode, and that's Pablo Zabaleta. Really? I didn't know that, really. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll I always... I don't know why I sound surprised because it's a, an absolutely valid shout. You know, you've not said Mycon or Jack Rowell, yeah. but, you know, I, it's not one that I've, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that as their all-timer. I just adore... And listen, you've got you've to understand that as much as I try to sh- shy away from it and and kind of tear down the theory of this, there there is too much of an American influence in me. Mm. Um, and, you know, we love our gritty... You know, NFL player that gets yeah. hit and gets up and plays again and gets yeah. hit and, and gets up and plays again. And, and he is just – he's the embodiment. Zabaleta is the embodiment of a of a Rocky-style, like, boxer mm. out of a TV – out of a film that just keeps getting up when they get hit and keeps mm. getting up when they get hit. And I just adored him. The amount of times – you know, whether or not this was great for, for player safety – um, the amount of times he was playing with, you know, a bandaged head and blood dripping down his side of his <laughs> side of his face, and he's still going into, you know, full blooded yeah. challenges. I just the kind of player that you just feel like would die for the club on the pitch, and that uh, it's just yeah, very nearly did on multiple occasions. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I remember, I remember his quote shortly after he left City when he was asked. If you could either watch City from the couch the rest of your life or play for Manchester United, and he said, <laughs> he said, if that was my only two options, I'd never play football again. <laughs> and I just, he just, you know, he's he's one of those players yeah. that comes from another country, and they have absolutely no reason to to kind of play for the shirt that way. Mm. And and he did, and I just I've always adored him. And and interestingly enough, it was that 
that Van Persie game, it was his equalizer where that mm. clicked for me that he was my all-time favorite city player and him him running back to the center circle and geeing up his teammates and and hyping up the crowd and I was like this is this is the guy for me. Yeah, yeah. I, it's 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 an absolutely absolutely valid shout as I said. Um and he, he he fell in love with not just the 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 club but you know the city itself and I I feel like he he was genuinely not devastated in the sense that, you know, he was going to live in London and play for West Ham and earn a lot of money doing so and has since, you know, had a fantastic post career. But, you know, to leave City, I, f- I feel like more than probably maybe Vincent Company, but but other than that, the the legends we've had leave the club in the last few years, I reckon that he, he was one probably the most hurt by it. And um, you know, the stories of him loving the chippy in Didsbury on the corner um, and, you know, going to status quo gigs and stuff, you know, fantastic, fantastic person. And, and I think that's probably why why it resonates with so many. There'll be, there'll be people agreeing to this because he, he above everything else, whilst a, a sort of a little bit of a dick on the pitch, to be honest, you know, he's a sort of player who you'd hate to have on your opposition team, but adore to have on your team. But he was just a gent off the off the pitch and I remember multiple times people like Gary Neville before Gary Neville was this sort of media behemoth he is today in the early stage of his, his Sky Sports career saying how much they pray how much they loved Pablo Zabaleta and, and would constantly praise him and I think that's probably where where he is basically and, and where he finished his time in England was just this sort of lovable character yeah and and you guys wouldn't get to see this but he's he's actually on US television now he works for ESPN and he he covers La Liga um nice. and every time they have him on on our daily football show ESPN FC he he's got just this blank white wall behind him and the only thing behind him when he's uh when the camera is on him is his city kit with his you know they get the appearance kits as 187 oh, yeah. or whatever yeah. um and it's signed by you know the the final squad yeah. that that he had oh. at City and and that's the only thing on camera with him when he's on and I just I adore him. Yeah, what a what a gentleman and that's a probably the best place possible to end. Um, Adam, that was fun. Really enjoyed sort of um, digging deep. Really enjoyed more than anything hearing about the fact that you went to hide in the basement after <laughs> City lost all dropping and cried into a pillow. Uh, why? Quickly, why was there a pillow in the basement? Um, I slept in the, I had a lot of sleeping issues as a kid Ah, okay. and I used to just leave my room and just go watch TV in the basement. And by the time I was maybe 14 or 15, I just slept in the basement long-term because I had horrible insomnia. So my, I slept on a couch in the basement and just watched TV all night. Oh yeah. So, so technically I had run to my room. To make it even, to make it look like I was even more yeah. of a child, I ran yeah. to my room. Yeah, yeah. You, you probably could have said that. I just this this vision of you like unlocking the doors because I, I get the feeling basements in the US are probably a little bit different than the UK, where it's like a cellar and it's like you keep. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't run down like, like and, and sit in the pentagram that's drawn yeah. on the the, the yeah. dusty basement floor. No. Yeah, it wasn't like a medieval castle. You were no. locked in chains that you're at. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot more sense, and I'll be able to sleep easier tonight. Um, so we'll we'll call it a day there. Um, if you want to hear us again, Adam, I'll let you continue, and you can sort of begin to wrap up. Where where are we? What do we do? And where can where can people continue to listen to us? 
Yeah, obviously you can find us on any audio platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, The the Lot, um, The City Report is what we're called. Very easy. Um, I would love to say you can find us on Twitter, but who knows if Twitter will even exist by the mm, time this, yeah. this goes out. But if it does still exist, you can find us at The City Report Pod, and it's the same thing on Instagram as well is, is probably where we'll have to get the bulk of our posts going if, if city or if Twitter does die. Um, yeah. yeah, you can find us on there and, uh, and yeah, if you're listening to this on, on our personal feed, um, you can find all of that info down in the description of this episode as well. Yeah, for sure. And you've got to mention there daily episodes. We come at, at yes. you, um, every Monday to Friday in normal season times, obviously this is currently in the world cup. So in, in the usual season, it's uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday episodes each week. Um, I guess that's all left to say is keep supporting MCFC food bank. The people there are incredible, genuinely incredible people. They've done some fantastic stuff, not just for the, sort of the, the, the local community that like you mentioned at the top, Adam, you know, taking donate donations and, and, offering a voice to those who don't have a voice amplified in this um, strange industry that we all sort of love and engage in. Um, I guess that'll do then. Adam, thank you. Yes, thank you. That was fun. Yeah, it was indeed. And until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. 